Welcome to the Passion Business Podcast, the podcast for free spirits with a big idea who want to turn their passion into a business. I'm Anka Herman, and I'm your host. My guest today is Paul Higgins from Melbourne, Australia. He's an author, podcast host, and advisor for small businesses, helping solopreneurs find new revenue streams to fund their lifestyle. He shares how he left a long successful career with Coca-Cola to build a business that adapts to his lifestyle rather than the other way around. Enjoy. As always, if you enjoy the episode, don't forget to subscribe, review and share. Hello and welcome, Paul. I'm very happy and excited to have you here. So, Manka, great to be here. So why don't we just start off and you let people know where you're based, where you're from, in case that's different, and, and what you do these days. Yeah, look, I'm based in Melbourne, Australia, not Melbourne, Florida, for your, <laughs> a lot of your American audience. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm based here and I live along the bay. Uh, which is about 15 kilometres out of uh, the CBD in Melbourne. So that's uh, where I call home, but my clients are all over the world. Oh, that's beautiful. I always get a little bit sort of, I don't know, homesick probably not the word because I'm not from Australia, but I lived there for five years, so I'm always going, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, tell us a little bit about what what's your work these days? What do you do for people all over yeah, the world? Yeah, look... Um, the, the simplest way is I help solopreneurs find new revenue streams to fund their lifestyle. So, you know, a lot of my clients are coaches and consultants. They've come from a job, often come from a corporate career like myself, mm. and they're loving the freedom. They're loving the time that they've got, but they just probably don't have the income, whether it's to look after their children, school fees, mortgage, go on overseas trips. They just haven't got that amount that they thought they were going to get when they left their job and in most cases promised their partner. So I help them resolve that and uh, you know, live the, the life they really want to live without sort of worrying about the money. Oh, that's that probably, I can, you know, that hits home for a lot of people. And what you said about the, uh, what they promised their partner, it's something that I hear a lot as well, that people sort of feel guilty you know, after a while when, when the partner has been supportive and the plan was to get this thing going in a certain amount of time and just sort of the money isn't following as expected. Yeah, I can really see that. So Yeah, look, yeah, and, it, and it's, um, you know, my situation was, is that as well. I sort of in the first five years, I promised my wife, Linda, uh, you know, a certain amount of money and it just wasn't coming in. And even when it wasn't discussed, it was always that tension there. You know, should I yes. go back to corporate? Uh, should, you know, should yeah. she go to four days to five days? It was always that, that pressure hanging over. Like we did some fantastic overseas trips with our family, but you know, like I started to say, you know, let's not go out for dinner or, you know, there was, constant yeah. compromises I was making and um, yeah it, it wasn't as enjoyable as, as it could have been yeah I can see so you mentioned your your corporate career <clears throat> sorry you mentioned your corporate career so l let us know how you decided to ditch the corporate career and even go out on your own yeah well look uh, the short story of my career was, you know, I really started working for a 
Coca-Cola when I was about three. And the reason I say that is my dad worked there and, you know, he would basically take me to, to all the events and he ran a, uh, a factory in the country and I would, you know, be there a lot of the time. And I sort of worked right through my school and also through my uni days uh, part-time at Coke. And they always said that, um, you know, you'll never work there because your father works there. And I said, that was, you know, full time. I'm like, that's cool. So I finished, I got a double degree, finished, was about to go overseas. And they said, look, we're that desperate. Um, Would you just fill a gap for two months? And, uh, you know, just as a rep. And I said, okay, that's fine. And then, you know, I'm off overseas. And uh, yeah, two months turned into 18 years. Wow. (laughs) That's incredible. It almost sounds like, you know, when, when in Germany, you went and when people would walk into Mercedes or BMW, you know, at 14 and then work their entire life there. So what made you get out in the end? Yeah, look, it was sort of two, two key factors. One was I always wanted to run my own business. And in the Coke system, you really had to be willing to travel particularly overseas, to really advance your career. And I'd sort of hit the ceiling within Australia of, um, you know, I was at a director level, reported, you know, two down from the Group MD, but I wasn't prepared to work ridiculous hours and sacrifice my family. So I was sort of, so I could tell my career wasn't really going anywhere and I wanted to run my own business. And the other thing is that I had a chronic uh, condition. I've got a polycystic kidney disease, which is a, a kidney disease passed on, at birth and yeah my specialist kept saying look if you keep in this environment you will have kidney failure in a couple of years and you know that ultimately means the pens if you got a transplant dialysis whatever but it, it you know at best you might live another 15 20 years so you know it became a pretty easy choice in the end that work wasn't working out and my health was sort of and 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 I wanted to plan so that I could when things, because I knew I was going to have kidney failure, it wasn't a a, mm. a, um, a question of if, it was just when. Yeah. So I wanted to be able to set up my own business to be able to run it whilst I was um, in hospital. Yeah, I, that makes perfect sense. So what did you find sort of the biggest surprise or or like the what I'm getting at is when when you work in a corporate environment, you know, and then you go out on your own, you have certain ideas about what that will look like and how that would go. And in my experience and everybody else I've spoken to, there's always this like, Oh, actually, you know, what the way it really works was kind of nothing like I expected. So I would imagine there would have been the odd surprise there for you as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I sort of popped the champagne of leaving. I was so excited. I decided to be a coach and, you know, like in corporate, like in sport, no different. I just completely threw myself into it. So, you know, I worked incredible hours to set up the new business, you know, the website, the financial structure, you name it. Um, but I forgot about one thing and the most important thing is getting an offer that converts. Mm. And, uh, really, I really struggled with that. And I'll remember vividly the first day I walked into a, a networking event and someone looked at me and said, what do you do? And, and I just couldn't articulate it. I'm like, oh, you know, I just sort of stumbled over a few words, got coach out somewhere, but I was thinking, you know, 
at Coke, I'd spent my whole career trying to tell people that I didn't work at Coke. You know, someone would come up at a party and they'd say, you know, where do you work? And I'd say, oh, and they'd finally get around to Coke and everyone's got, oh, I know, you know, this cousin here or blah, blah, yeah. blah. And when they'd say, what, what do you do? I'd always say, oh, I'm a forklift driver. Mm. And they go, oh, okay, cool. Because if I ever said that uh, the job I actually did, the next question they'd ask for is a job. Yes. Uh, whereas in this networking event, I'm like, I've got no idea. And even talking to my parents for the first 12 Months they're like, uh, you know, I'm sure they were saying to members of the family, like, I don't know what he's doing. He's, you know, he's left this high-powered, high-paying job and he just seems to be loafing around home all the time. Like, mm. what's he doing? So, yeah, I found it incredibly challenging. And I did get a coach uh, to sort of learn about small business, but corporate was so ingrained in me. And Coke, everybody comes to you. Yeah. Whereas what I found the biggest difference was that all of a sudden I had to get people coming to me and, and no one knew me other than an ex-corporate person, which I thought was really important that I'd worked at Coke, et cetera. But mm. when someone wants a problem solved, they're not as worried about what you bring to the table, i.e. your career and, and, and your stature. They're just saying, can you fix my problem? And I couldn't always articulate, you know, what that problem was and how I fixed it. Oh, yeah. I, I, that really really resonates with me as well and that and I think coaching is probably is especially difficult in that sense because it's something so invisible you know when when I compare it to you know my first venture out into the solopreneur world what do you do I make flamenco costumes period. And everybody knew what that was, you know? Yeah, it's and, very, and, very tangible. Yeah. And it was like, okay. And they usually would have seen a dress because they would come to me because they'd seen a dress of mine on a stage somewhere, you know, and they'd go like, oh, I like that dress. Who made that? You know? So and it was always like that. And coaching that same thing, like, what do you do? Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And, 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 and I, you know, I, coaches and consultants, as I said before, are people that I really work with. And, you know, there, there are ways, uh, particularly with LinkedIn these days, we've been doing a lot of work with LinkedIn posting and there's some great ways to start to create your authority, add value. And, you know, that has become a, a great way. But back when I left in 2011, that didn't really exist. Yeah. And, you know, Facebook ads, I couldn't get that to work. Um, I did some work for Franklin Covey, which is the number one productivity company in the world. That was brilliant. But, you know, they were sort of three times my margin. So what I was getting paid versus what they were charging the client, I'm like, I'm just back to a job again. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't own anything. I don't have a, an asset that that is unique. I only get paid for working the, the time that I'm physically there. Um, so I sort of pivoted. But But I think, you know, these days with the LinkedIn, it's a lot easier. But, you know, starting, like you said, starting out in an area where everyone wants your experience. So can, can you show me examples like you and you haven't had that experience as yet? Yeah. It's a bit like the, the chicken and the egg. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's a very, and I think everybody always is a little bit surprised when that hits because we always walk in with that enthusiasm. But when you think about it, it's anytime you start a new career, 
you know, even in corporate, it's the same. I've changed careers, you know, came as a translator and then all of a sudden, you know, oh, you know, I, this IT software stuff sounds interesting. And then it's the same thing. You know, what do you do? I don't know. <laughs> and so how did you sort of dig your way out of that? Yeah, well, I think, as I said, I had a coach, so mm. that helped. And, and I, about each 12 months, I changed coaches. So I certainly had some good advice. Did I always listen to it? No, because I think, you know, I'd always been so driven and so successful that, I, I you know, I, I thought it would be easier. And therefore, I didn't take the advice that was given. So I had the people, but I probably didn't ask the right questions or listen to the, to the right answers. So I did that. Um, but when I really pivoted was towards you know moving from coaching into advising because I realized as a coach you know the answer lies in the the, the person that you're coaching the coaching mm. and I realized that oh, I had so much experience I, I, I just got impatient sitting there listening to people say you know I'm not quite sure what to do here and I'm like you know I know I've been in that situation I know exactly what you should do but as a coach I'm not meant to tell you yeah. so I shifted then into advising and also moved from corporate into small business I realized that a lot of the people I was coaching in, in corporate had the exact same challenges I had, and I just didn't think I could successfully solve them. But I started in corporate because that was easy, easier, because yeah. I was used to that world. But what I was um, before I left Coke, I was actually doing some advisory for small businesses. So I knew a little bit about that. I had the coach. He gave me a little bit of help. So I just started down the small business path. And once I started becoming an advisor for small businesses, then you know, it really started to change. Yeah, that makes uh, makes all the sense in the world. And I really love the sort of the, the iterations that that I can hear in 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 your story. How you know you obviously you all we always go out and make the best guess with what we know right now, and then you say, well, well that makes sense. So you kind of go there, and then well, isn't quite what I thought. And, you know, and other, other opportunities might open up. And so it's that, it's that, um, yeah, Amy Simpkins, she, I don't know whether you've heard of her. She's incredible. She's, she used to be a rocket scientist, you know, but everybody does that. So been there, done that. So she went out <laughs> to start her own business and she's written a book and it's called Spiral because she actually explains the, the process of innovation, you know, and it's, it, definitely like when I saw this like yeah you're my girl you know and I can hear that in what you're saying how it isn't like it's 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 like an experiment you know you go out you have your your assumptions your idea you know and then say well okay let's 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 give that let's give that a go and yeah and 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 look and um you know if I look at a lot of people that come to me at the moment they're Predominantly, you know, the more they work, the more the money they make, but it's all face-to-face predominantly. And, you know, it's capped to how many hours they can work. So what I do is get them to go through a pivot, you know, a business model pivot, similar to what I've done several times. And, you know, mine's been a lot due to my health as well. I had a VA business that I had to sell because of my health and et cetera. But, But I basically help lay out the pivot. And then with LinkedIn, we can actually test the market because you get immediate response with that and then if it starts to get traction then you can you know double down on that so you know that pivot for a lot of people particularly a lot of people that love communicating with people you know face to face is absolutely brilliant and 
and it's great. But if you're sitting on a dialysis machine like me, it's pretty hard to get a client to come into hospital <laughs> and get coached when you're on a dialysis machine, right? So I had to be innovative and do everything remote and through video. And now that's just, you know, it, it's natural for me, but helping people make that transition, I think is really powerful because, you know, we live in a world where, you know, you can work with anyone. I, you know, for me, I only speak one language, which is English. So as long as someone can speak English, it doesn't matter where they're from. I've got people in Jamaica, in Kenya, like, you know, all these places I've never even traveled to, but you mm-hmm. know, I can do what we're doing now. Just yeah. you know, jump on a Zoom call and away you go. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I think it it really shows nicely that there is also no end to this. It isn't that, you know, you go from A to B and when you're at B, you've made it. And then, you know, like you're happily ever after. I think it's that continuous process because when you get to B, you often find, you know, oh, actually, <laughs> I've built myself a hamster wheel. And yeah. then to get, and then basically new iteration starts. Yeah, well, look, you know, when I was at Coke, it was, you know, people say 18 years is a long year in one in one company, but, you know, I had changed roles every two years. You know, I think three years was the longest I was, and, and each role change was a massive change, even though you're under the same umbrella. So I think with your business, it's the same. You know, I always say put your lifestyle first. So what's the lifestyle you want to lead? And then your business is just a vehicle to drive that. And that's why I'm about to, um, well, by now, when this comes out, I've launched a book called Build, Live, Give. And it's about, you know, building that great business to fund your lifestyle and then to give back. And the build part can pivot to your point. So, like, um, I came out of transplant this year in February and I, you know, said, okay, I'm going to step back into business and really start to, to and, you know, I sort of kept it as a, a nice plateau through my the health especially when you know i had final kidney failure so it was good i didn't lose income but i wasn't gaining a lot and i had a membership which was doing okay but i pivoted to what we now call more leads and it's actually helping people get leads through linkedin posting as i said before and you know it's gone from zero to um almost a hundred people in in that in you know since march and you know that's a complete different pivot but it's got the fundamentals that I want to work from home I want to be able to work predominantly from a mobile phone and when I say from home I want to be able to work from anywhere in the world and still run that business now that fits my lifestyle but that's a big pivot from what I was doing you know in February yeah that's uh, yeah it's fascinating well how are you anyway you know I didn't know about the transplant but I didn't sort of have it really present that it was like that short time ago yeah, no, look, I'm great. I, you know, as they say, the first three months are always the rockiest. And, and I had the, the kidney health was always fine because the, the one word you never want to hear is the R word, and that's rejection. Mm. And they never mentioned the R word, which was great, but I spent more time in hospital than home in the first three months. Um, but that was fine. Yeah. I basically wrote my book mainly in hospital, and the drugs I was on, I couldn't sleep. So it was oh. like, you know, I'd work 17 hours a day straight. But it was okay. I was in a hospital. What else do you do? Yeah. So if anything, it was great. But yeah, now I'm, I'm fantastic. I just played golf with my um, donor, who's my best mate uh, oh. today. And um, he's he's doing great. He's just climbed to uh, Everest Base Camp. Uh, oh. So, you know, he, he's super fit. I'm back playing golf with him. And uh, yeah, life's good. So I'm, I'm very blessed. Um, my mum actually passed 
couple of months ago from the same condition and and I honestly think she held out as long as she did because she's been sick for a long, long time just to see me have a better option in life than the one she got because she couldn't get a transplant. So uh, oh, very so blessed that my best that. mate. Yeah. yeah, but look, you yeah. know, I, I think, um, you know, I think, you know, you never want to see someone that sick, but but yeah. I think she died happy because yes. she knew that what she'd passed on to me was not going to impact me as much as it impacted her. Yeah, I, I can see that. It's and it's powerful when you. Yeah, I think like as a mom, it must be, you know, to to think that you've passed that condition on to your child. I mean, obviously she didn't do it on purpose or anything, you know. But no. I think there is that sense of yeah, I can see how she'd be super relieved. That's that's incredible. Yeah, and I've I've got the same conversation with my kids because it's a fifty fifty at birth. So I've got a seventeen, soon to be eighteen year old, and a fifteen year old. And at some point soon, we're going to get them tested, and I'll have to have that that same conversation. But them yeah. seeing me have a successful transplant and knowing that you know it's yeah. it's all okay is is great. Whereas um, watching my mum and her condition, it that. Yeah, you know, they knew that that could have been them, but yeah, for me, I've hopefully given them some more hope. And who knows, you know, there'll be great solutions by the time they probably needed to have kidney failure anyway. So I think, you know, I'm one of the last. Well, I'm probably the last generation which will be impacted. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, this sort of research advances, and what what you have available now wasn't available, you know, thirty or forty years ago. And, and no, no, not at all. And I think that's the, you know, that's sort of a bit the same with the business models yeah. you and I both run. Like this wasn't an option. Even in 2011 when I left, most of my friends or probably all of my friends, corporate friends thought I was crazy. Now they're the people that, you know, don't love their jobs, maybe a redundancy is coming their way, et cetera. And they're, they're starting to say, hey, you know, tell me how you do this thing again. Like, uh Yep. You seem to be, you know, play golf when you want, you're with your family and helping your kids whenever you want, you know, you travel overseas on holidays whenever you want. It's like, you know, how can I get a bit of that action? Yeah. Oh, I absolutely get that. Like, absolutely the same thing. When, you know, when, when I start, when I quit my IT job in a bank in London, you know, like the whole corporate thing and said I was going to move to Spain to make flamenco costumes you can imagine they look like totally nuts <laughs> you totally lost you're a lot. pin drop yeah you know it's like uh you know and some said some said it and everybody thought it but yeah just the other day i sort of messaged with an ex-colleague and he said oh you know i'm, I'm so jealous you got out when you did you know so there's that like and then you know the next part is like yeah it's too late for me now and but that sense that later like 10 years later or 15 years later whatever and there's like oh i wish i could do what you've done you know that's for sure yeah and it's like you know that old chinese proverb you know the best time to plant a tree was what 20 years ago the next yeah. best is today so okay. you know it's never i don't think it's uh, ever too late and if you've got enormous amount of wealth, oh, sorry, wealth of knowledge yeah. and you want to share it, I think, you know, now's a great way. Like, you know, you and I have both got a podcast. I'm just launching a book. Like I've got all of these marketing assets which, you know, help people and really help change people's lives. But, you know, I'm, I can create them and it doesn't really matter how old I am. 
You know, it's the value of the content. So, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, you know what, I, I should have, I still think there's a great opportunity for you to, to go and do it now. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you just mentioned marketing assets and I, wrote, I, I read your LinkedIn post on, on the topic not long ago and it really resonates. Like, tell me about marketing assets and why it's so important for people to create some because it's sort of something where I hear a lot of people like oh you know but I don't have time to hang out on social media all day basically you know saying well I don't have time for that stuff what's your th what's your what, what, do you, yeah, well, what do you say to them yeah look I'm a big believer in having a killer marketing asset so uh Alan Dibb um he he wrote the one page marketing plan it's a bestseller on Amazon and is a good friend of mine and he talks about this killer marketing asset and it is something that you can you know stamp your brand or have a brand so no different to Coca-Cola you can have your own brand and it can actually help draw the right clients to you and you know I think what I learned certainly early on in my career I'm a ferocious learner and very curious guy but what I was doing is consuming so much but I wasn't um, producing a lot so I wasn't putting a lot of content out into the world and I was wondering why people weren't connecting with me people weren't like you know didn't know like and trust me but it's because I was just consuming it I wasn't actually putting it back out so you know if to me a killer marketing asset like for me it's my podcast uh, build live give it's the book funny enough called build live give <laughs> and and it's also my linkedin posting you know I, i put a lot of time and effort into that but they're things that now i'm having conversations or people um you know reach out to me which is great because for the first five years i was always reaching out to someone and i'm sure if you're listening you know what that feels like it's never as great as if someone comes to you so having those assets people come to you and they already know your story they know so much about you and the great thing is you don't have to say a thing about yourself which i love when i have a sales call now i just ask some questions about them yeah. and whether i can help them or not and i don't need to talk about me because i've got those killer marketing assets working for me yeah that that i think that is so helpful for people to hear because you know i do get that i hear that a lot you know and And, uh, and my new podcast is called Don't Just Learn, Create. And it's basically, right. you know, sort of saying the same thing. So where do you see yourself in a year, for example, from now? Yeah, well, look, I definitely want to uh, use the book as a springboard to get more of my brand across the world, in particular in the U.S., so uh, that's a big focus for me. And then next year, I'll also go into doing some online courses as well so I can give more of the content from the book and make it easier for people to consume that. So uh, that's a, a big focus. And then also running more of my group um, mentoring uh groups across the world as well. So they're sort of in um, eight, eight people at a time. And, you know, I, I want to do that because when I left and I know, you know, we've spoken before when you as well from, from what you said that, you know, there wasn't anyone sort of helping and there wasn't people like you. you know, there's all the people in corporate and then there was you and mm. it was like, well, where's my collective? Where, where's my tribe? Where, where, where can I share experiences in safety and there just wasn't anything. So that's why I've created it. 
And that's what I want to do more of next year so that there is a choice. If you do want to leave corporate, you do want to leave your job, or most importantly, you've already got a business and you don't want to go back. Yeah. Well, here's, here's an option. And I've sort of got a five drivers framework that's outlaid in the book, which will help people do the things that I wish I had of. So it took me, uh, look, to be fair, it probably took me five to six years to really look my wife in the eye and say, hey, we're okay here. Like, yeah. you know, it's going to be okay. Um, so I'd love people to do that a lot quicker than what I did. Yeah, that's, that's worth gold, you know, to, to help other people make that choice to live consciously, you know, to, you choose how you want to live rather than what you think you should be doing. So where can yeah. people go and find out about the book and your Yeah, so, so the book, work so you, yeah, great. So you can go to buildlivegive.com, which is the, the home, and that'll have uh, links to the book. The book's also on Amazon in the first three months, and depends when you're listening to this, it'll be broader than that, and that's just called Build, Live, Give. And also my content on LinkedIn, so I post uh, every day, or sorry, five days a week on, on LinkedIn, and that's Paul Higgins Triple Five is uh, my profile there. So, you know, any one of those three, um, and I'd love to get feedback uh, to Anka and I on the podcast as well. Uh, I'd love to see, you know, what how it's helped you make some of the changes that you're looking to make. That's fabulous. I'm obviously going to put the links in the show notes, but for those people who only listen, I was like to sort of spell it out for them. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for, for being a guest and sharing your incredible story. There was so much gold in there. So I'm pretty sure people will love this one and you're going to get some great feedback and people will be helped. And that's the main thing. Great. And, and look, yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity. I, I've really enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much. And I'll speak to you again soon. Great. Thanks, Anka. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Passion Business Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next one.